Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter oh, yeah. the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. Yeah. I'm jet propelled at all times. <laughs> How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example, and this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? (laughs) Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hey, thanks everybody for joining us here on the session. It is another month, another month filled with craft beer and interviews with craft brewers like the one we have going on today. We have Bobby and Shane from McFleshman's Brewing. How are you guys doing, boys? Very well. You're surviving in the Wisconsin summer. How's Wisconsin treating you guys? Pretty good. We were talking before the show that it's uh, hot. It's like 92 out there, which is what it is out here. So I feel like that's... uh, you know, doesn't bode well for the summer. The yeah, summer's going to be brutal. It's kind of rare here, though. Is it? We'll have it for a couple of days, and then it'll cool off. Ugh, lucky and then we'll dog. have another heat, strip, heat wave for a couple of days. It'll cool off. Yeah, for sure. What's cooling off? Because here, it's like 103 is really hot, and then it cools off to, well, you know, 92. And then that's just what it is. <laughs> During the summer here, it might get down to like 75. Oh, breezy. kidding me, man. I would love that. That would be the that would be the most amazing, man. Well, anyway, uh, the the winters make up for that. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, yeah. This is my summer brewery, and then I have a winter brewery that I run (laughs) somewhere in Hawaii, and that's just how I live my life. Uh, Well, thanks for joining us, guys. You guys sent a bunch of beer, and it wasn't all IPA. In fact, there was only one IPA, so kudos to you guys. I really appreciate it. And more importantly, uh, I, uh, you know, we were saying before the show that the, the, the breadth and width of the styles that we have is way up my alley. So I'm very, very pumped to talk uh, not only why you're brewing some of these styles, like an English pale ale, a Hellas, you know, these kinds of things that we don't really hear about too much. I mean, not the Hellas, but you know what I mean? Um, and then how they're, you know, how they're going and how you guys are brewing them and how, what your approach is. 
uh, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to dig right into it. And I cracked the Hellas already because I needed just a, a prep beer. Uh, and I'm still drinking. It's called Pirate's Cove. And I like it. It is very, it's a very, very good Hellas. You guys just want to jump right into it and start talking, start talking beer. We'll get to your history first, a little bit later. Off. Before yeah, my, off, we sent you two IPAs. I'm sorry. We actually sent you an English. Oh yeah. Like, I guess I don't count that as an IPA. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. And yeah. Like we, like, like for me now, the, the, the parlance is just IPA is West coast and up, you know mm. what I mean? And then an English IPA is for me, is like a, like a strong pale ale. Exactly. So you know, I, I, I forgive you for sending me two <laughs> IPAs. Uh, yeah. So uh, when we launched this place, we knew we needed to uh, make something for the masses, something yeah. light, something for the Miller curious. And I love lagers. And we knew that a lot of our beers would end up being lagers, or we hoped they would be. And so that at that intersection of something craft and light and, and lager, we, we knew, I think we landed collectively on doing something like a Hellas. And uh, here we are, you know, this many years later, we opened three years ago this month. Wow. Actually last month. And uh, it's been our top seller all, all the way through. It's this, this Hellas lager. I yeah. mean, I, I, it's definitely something I would expect. That doesn't surprise me a whole lot because you guys are, you know, are in Wisconsin. And I feel oh. like you guys sort of have a predilection or like you just lean more towards drinking lagers anyways. Out mm-hmm. here, that would just that would flip my wig, man. I would have no idea what to say on that. So no, that is yeah. cool, but uh, you know, I, I also feel like it is sort of a testament to the beer quality, right? I didn't mean that as like a slight because in a sea of loggers out there, you know, I, I feel like if you have one that's your top seller when there's so many out there, that speaks highly of 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 how you you brew this. What uh, what do you use for your base malts? All best on this. This is this is uh well okay, we we do bring in some breeze carapils for for head retention on this, but okay, uh, otherwise this is a best malt, a German malt. Uh, I still am a little bit neurotic, and and we we uh, we put a little melanoidin malt in this to simulate decoction okay. brewing. But then guess what we do? We go ahead and decoct it anyway, bro. So you're creating. Yeah. You're one of those people who creates more work for himself. Oh, maybe for Shane. I don't know. It's a true story. Yeah. And we <laughs> talked about this right when we, before we opened, like long before we opened, we talked about this. Like, yeah, we're going to have a decoction brewing system, but we don't want to decoct all of our beers. Uh, maybe just one or two beers. Yeah, obviously the bot, you know, that kind of. Um, uh, yeah, it turns out our, our flagship beer, the one we make the most of, almost every like every fourth batch is, is decoction <laughs> brewing. It, it, it's okay. It's one decoction, so it's there's some mercy there. It's that's it's true. Only, yeah, you're a bene- yeah. you're a benevolent yeah. ruler. I appreciate. I'm sure Shane <laughs> appreciates that. I appreciate it for him, for sure. I so, send myself into the fire too. We we I'm drew sure. uh, double batches into one tank, so okay. I'll take one. He'll take one, and, and so it's not. I think I'm a masochist as well. <laughs> well, I think most <laughs> brewers are. Yeah, on some level, I mean, you you get into a business that's you know, 90% labor intensive, long hours, you know, little pay. Um, and you know, you know, great success, I guess in some ways. And then that's it. You just kind of like, I don't know. At the end of the day, no one notices, right. When it comes to stuff like decoctions, no one notices. I mean, do they, I mean, so, okay. Actually, that's a really good question because, uh, if I do say so myself, because you are in the land of loggers, right. 
do people notice these things? And, and the, 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 the basis of my question is a lot of people go, well, I shouldn't say that because I don't know how you've loggered. So I don't want to already, uh, you know, go, go down that road of quick loggering, but do people notice in the flavors between, Hey, this, I feel like this is decocted or, or I feel like it's not like, does the, the average consumer, can they tell? Right. I think there's a story, you know, I think that's, that's certainly, I'm, there's a romance for me when it comes to these traditional styles. That's what okay. this whole bit is built on. Uh, so there's that. As for the science, it's there and it's not, depending on who you talk to. And then as for the side-by-side, uh, I think we have to commit ourselves to a, uh, a pretty extensive and exhaustive side-by-side analysis through the market and all that stuff. But again, I think that I go back to, uh, does it build a good story? And, and and does it hurt the beer? I hope certainly hope it doesn't hurt. Uh, but at the end of the day, does it actually improve the beer? Uh, that's a great question. And, and I would I would say from the heart, it, it must because I understand the science. I come from a science background. Uh, but the uh, the artist and I'm going to say I was going to say historian, but that couldn't be. I would say the beer historian, whatever lay uh, person label may apply, would hope <laughs> that it matters. Yeah, it, that, that, that it does. But Shane can chime in on that. I'm sure he'll have. Shane, what do you think? How's your back feeling uh, today, first of all? And then we'll decide. I, I'm going to withhold judgment on whether it actually makes a big difference. Um, I've, I've, I've kind of resigned myself to doing it, you know? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think that's smart. And I, I, and I brought this on myself yeah. uh, because I've known Bobby for, what, 12 years now or so? And it had to have been 10 years ago when we were both homebrewers in the same homebrew club back in Oklahoma. And Bobby put out to the entire homebrew club, hey, I'm going to do a triple decoction brew day. And anybody who wants to learn decoction brewing, come out on such and such day. We're going to get after it all day. You know, we're going to we're going to do decoction brewing. And if you want to learn how, come do it. We send that out to the entire club. Dozens of people. Mm-hmm. I was the only one to show up for that. <laughs> a lot of committal. I stuck it out for that whole day. And I guess I must have uh, must have gained a little masochism that day myself because uh, I do have I do appreciate it although I don't always act like it. When you're doing it, you can't act like it at all. You have to hate yeah. it. And I mean, the only way to really tell us to just not do it and then put it out there and then give a survey or whatever. But that just seems like, and, and I think what you were saying a little bit too, Bobby, about the romance of it all. Like if you, I think if you now if you took that step out and you know maybe went through the the effort to go ask your patrons, Hey, do you notice a difference? Here's a side by side, whatever. Then it is sort of more calculated than brewing like from the heart or from the gut. It feels yeah, like that's I, what the coction really is. Yeah. When you want to give a tour, I'll say it's really a continuation of malting, right? It's taking what the malter has provided us and we're continuing that cooking process and, and trying to generate aromas of bread coming out of the oven that you otherwise wouldn't capture. But, you know, if, if I'm talking to a scientist, I might go down some of the chemical pathways, you know, some of the things that go into decoction brewing. Uh, it certainly has, uh, it's a fascinating field. It's a fascinating piece, I should say, of brewing. But in any case, there's a story there. It feels good. It's what our built, brand is built on. And, I, and I, I'm not afraid of doing those side-by-sides, by, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You're not scared? No, no, no. If it's unanimous, I'm going to throw the, the results away though. I'm not yeah. going to. Oh no, for sure. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, you know, doing side by side is, is important, but, but I think, uh, I don't know. I, I think that you're, that you're right. The romance sort of, you know, pre, uh, this, the romance is more important, I think, than what the side by side, if it's not hurting anything, the beer tastes good. 
you feel good about doing it, you know, why bother with it? Uh, why, why Pirates Cove? Let me show the label there for a little bit. Oh, yeah, right. So that was the so funky the label. Were, you like that? Yeah, I do. It's very like uh, sort of Picasso, Cubist. I don't know, man. It's, it's right, right there on the back. Leif Larson should get credit for that. That's our artist there. Right there on the back on the bottom of that, oh, there you of go. that uh, label. Nice. Yeah. He's a... Uh, that was our first label. That was our, like I said, our flagship. It was our first beer that we put out into distribution. Uh, but yeah, so this building that we're in right now was a dairy. It was also a brewery. So how more Wisconsin can you get than that? Uh, and then next door to us was a place called Pirates Go, and that came with the property. Hmm. But that burned down in the 80s. Oh, wow. uh, a lot of people we knew would remember that place as a bar. And it, and it served drinks to underage people. And I guess they don't remember half of what happened there. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, but so people walk in all the time and they're arguing with us, telling us this building that we're in right now, this was pirates go. And let me tell you what, so let them be right. That's, that's why we, that's why we named it that we wanted to bring their, their memories and their stories to the, to the fore. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, and it's falling. We already have a question from the chat. Ron says, since you guys are a lager brewery, do you have a favorite lager yeast? If so, what and why? 34, uh, no, we don't do 3470. I was not just going to jump on that. Everyone else does. Uh, the Vine Stefan. We do Augustiner. Uh, depends on who you, who you buy from. I think it's 114 from Omega, Shane. Is that the one we like the most? Yeah, right it's now? 114 from Omega. Uh, we've also gotten the, the, same, the same strain. Yeah. If it really is from uh, BSI. Yeah. Uh, we've tried a couple of different things, but uh, I think we, right now we've been using the Omega strain pretty regularly. Yeah. Omega strain. All right. What do you get out of that that you don't get from the other ones? Maltier. Uh, it, it gives, it, it's, you won't find it though, unless you brew something like a Hellas, you're not going to find it unless you brew something like uh, even a Kolsch, but we don't actually use that. But on that's kind of a malt bill, you're not going to find it there. Uh, if you brewed a Doppelbach or Bach, I would imagine you could sort of substitute that because it's really malt focused. Uh, but why would we do that when we have this this yeast in, that we're able to propagate in house? Mm-hmm. When I say propagate, I mean to pitch from batch to batch. Okay. Uh, but no, I like thirty. Or I like it instead of thirty four seventy. We've done thirty four seventy. We tried it. Certainly, we we've, we've turned that knob on on this Hellas. This Hellas is our is our this is our lab, right? We play with it and we do these tweaks on it to see what might change and i think at the end of the day it was a little bland it was a little blocked hmm. it was a little lifeless okay and i think that works well if you're trying to make like an even you could potentially substitute that into an american light lager uh something that you want it to be a little more i don't want to say drinkable but you understand what i'm where i'm going a little less malt focused yeah for sure augustiner the augustiner to me brings that that sort of bread crust sort of uh uh back note that i always really like Okay. Makes yep. me think of German beers, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Okay. Well, there you go, Ron. Now you too can open a brewery. Uh, speaking of opening breweries, let's go back a little bit to your history. So you've been open for three years, but you guys came from the same homebrew club out of state. How do you guys wind up in Wisconsin, uh, you know, together? Uh, so, so I, Shane and I came from Oklahoma and, we were in a homebrew club together. I was actually in graduate school for physics, the longer story there. But at the end <laughs> of all of that, yeah, I, I decided how better to celebrate school but by going to school. 
So I went to uh, a massive brewing program uh, in UC Davis, got accepted uh, within a year or so after c- concluding my, my PhD. And uh, so I'm out there and, and my wife was also, she's a chemistry uh, PhD and she wow. was looking for a place to settle and she had a couple of, so she had been following my dreams. You know, we've been chasing my dreams all these years yeah. and she, she had these options on the table to, to settle as a, as a permanent chemistry faculty member all the while I'm thinking about opening a brewery and <laughs> she had on the table in front of her Appleton. She had, I want to say it was Delaware. I think Australia might've been one of those options. And those are all great, but she asked me if any of those people drank beer uh-huh. and I, thinking about Wisconsin and its history, it, it made me laugh. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I, I almost dropped the phone when she asked that question. You think anyone would drink beer in Wisconsin? Cause that was her favorite too, for other reasons. Hmm. Uh, but this is where we ended up. And, and so then I came here, actually taught at the university locally, kind of trying to get into the science community because again, that's sort of my slant on this, the technical and the scientific part. Yeah. And I wanted to really embed myself. I was actually offered a head brewer job the same day. Uh, but I, but I chose the university job. And as, as, uh, as soon as I, you know, spent some time there, I started working at another brewery locally, a stone arch brewing company and another brewery next door to us currently actually now the Appleton beer factory. Oh wow! I was writing a business plan. I knew I needed a brewer and I knew Shane, I knew Shane had that itch. I knew that uh, his his partner in crime also had that itch. They were going to go in, Layla. They were going to go in and open their own brewery at some point. And I, you know, I'm and sitting he's watching this from doing that. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. I'm seeing what what it entails. I'm thinking, okay, two birds, one stone. You know, I need some partners, and and uh, if they're willing to to pack up and move on uh, to make that trek, then I'm willing to take them on. And, and she became our front of house manager and he became our, our lead brewer. Nice. And, and we migrated ultimately several other Oklahomans in the mix. So yeah, kind of one big exodus. Wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's wild, man. That's cool though. So you're, you, you're, you come from a school background all right? <laughs> and essentially you are sort of teaching people when it sounds like when you take them through the brewery and you teach them about the process or whatever, uh, I feel like that's pretty good. You already know how to communicate with everybody, and now you do it through beer, too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I was afraid here I've been in school X years, and is this going to be a waste of education to go into the brewing industry? And you've had you've had Charlie Banforth on various yeah. podcasts, and he was one of my professors there. Michael Lewis, maybe you've had him or not. Uh, we've talked to we've talked to him, I think, a couple times. I don't think he's ever been in the studio, but... Uh... Well, yeah. he's the one that really dispelled him coming from that similar background, Charlie, for that matter, too. But but he said some things about how this was such a, a profound or such a, a respectable industry and how there were so many challenges. And and, and I'm hearing him tell this story. And in, in my class, I'm seeing everyone else just enamored and and, and uh, uh, following every word uh, from this guy that has all this history. But here we had before us a chemistry and a microbiology professor uh, of, of various ranks or various uh, levels. Mm-hmm. And here he was telling us what you can do with, with all that background. And just like that, in five minutes, I decided this is the industry for me. Wow. And it went from a trek in the Andes, so to speak, you know, after having done my PhD to, okay, now I see how I can actually help an industry move forward. Okay. 
Wow. And how is that? What are you, uh, what are you, what are you doing to sort of further? Yeah, well, right now I'm a business owner, right? Well, and that's yeah. something else he said. He yeah. said, uh, I'm not going to teach you guys how to, to run a brewery. I'm going to teach you how to brew. And he, man, was that right, the wise phrasing. So it's been the school of hard knocks these last few years, just trying to get to the place I want to be. I want to be a lab that we outsource to, uh, that, that other breweries outsource their, their measurements to. And I want to open mm-hmm. a brewing school here that would launch those people that can no one that can't make that trip to let's say Davis, California, or even Chicago to do the Siebel program. I would give them some education that they need to do to make some really good beer because really what we need uh, is quality beer across the board. Cause you, you've said this JP many times uh, the first time that someone gets a bad pint of something other, it's destroying the whole, it's done, you know, the whole thing for everybody. Yeah. But, yeah. I can't, I can't, I, I can't I tell you how many times I've been in bars where it's like, I don't want to, I'm tired of trying new beer. Because it sucks, it tastes like vom- it tastes like warmed up vomit, and I don't want to do it anymore. So let me get a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, or let me get a Coors fucking banquet. I don't care. I just want something that's not craft beer, you know. Aside from Sierra Nevada, but you know what I mean. It's it, it, it's absolutely right. We need we need quality beer across the board, and we need people to to know how to determine if it's quality. Because just because yeah. you make it doesn't mean you know that it's good. Yeah, don't we've be all seen blind. that, you know. Yeah, we call, we toss around the term seller blindness a lot. Seller yeah. blindness. There we go. That's good. I like that term. Yeah, and also I, I hate seeing people waste water, and I hate seeing people waste energy. Yeah. And on this scale that we brew, we're really wasteful people. So as much as we 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 talk about the the Millers and the Buds, those guys have it down. They're way better for the earth. Let's drink drink their beer. So that's another piece of puzzle here, right? Yeah. I just read that Anheuser-Busch, I think now is like a hundred percent renewable energy. Like cool. Recycle is like 99.9% recycled through everything. That's amazing stuff, man. So you want to open like a little brewing school, like a satellite of an existing school or start your own kind of thing. I like that. That's cool, man. That's ambitious. Local University here. So yeah, I have students come through and yeah, continue with that. That's great, man. That is that is definitely uh, advancing the industry. Uh, besides, all just running business. everyone wants to work in beer, right? All these students coming out of college, they think it's so awesome. Oh, until sure. Half the day, it's cleaning tanks or kegs. No, we don't do that at all. No. <laughs> we have actually <laughs> never cleaned anything. It just you know, it just keeps going. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine as long as you keep it filled with liquid. You don't have to clean it. It's a misnomer. What, what I said earlier about quality, but we'll go back. <laughs> That's right. Well, that sounds cool, man. And then, uh, so you're, you know, you, you, you get everything together, by the way, if you guys go to, uh, McFleshman's.com spell, just how it sounds, uh, go to the, uh, the brewery tab and it's building the brewery. And, uh, these crazy knuckleheads have like side by side photos, which is, you know, we've all seen build uh, brewery build out photos on websites or whatever, but side by side of like, here's the photo when we were putting in the staircase and then here it is now that I've never seen before. And it just goes on and on. It's really very interesting. And I appreciate that you guys have put that stuff up there um, because I like seeing what goes into building, you know, stuff like the bar, you have just the form for the bar up there, right there. You have, uh, you know, the staircase without anything, you know, added to it or painted or, you know, not even stairs, just the supports. It's really neat. So check that out. What's the story with the uh, stained glass, though? It looks like that was shipped in somehow. 
right? Uh, well, first of all, just just briefly, I, I spent about ten years of my life building houses. So this this has, that completes the triad of my whole background. I got to build this brewery, make beer here, do science here. Oh, geez. that's the whole. That's my whole life in a nutshell. Wow. But but uh, that back bar, my wife and I, we were like, ah, we were just we were getting distraught with how long is this construction going to take and everything. So we were kind of like just imagining what's this tap room going to look like trying to, to, to invigorate our imagination. And so she goes online uh, trying to figure out what's her, what's the back bar going to look like? How, what's the cornerstone for uh, where people will be drinking our beer the most? She finds this beautiful little, little, uh, little like 25 feet long, 10, 12 feet tall back bar with this stained glass. And in the middle is a motif that has these, I think two German gentlemen and a woman and, and there's, one of them smoking something. He doesn't have pupils. And the other one is that the woman's putting her hand over the other one's mouth. It's a whole thing. And, and I'm, I'm just imagining what the caption would be. And we ask people that all the time. Yeah. Anyway, so, but before we bought it, though, it was in Cincinnati. Uh, and it was on somebody's website. And we needed a vacation. We needed an excuse to get out of town in, in the midst of all this construction. So we, we said, hey, uh, let's, I like that. Let's go look at it. We're not going to buy this. Uh, we go in and we fall in love with it, man. The minute we saw it, yeah. and it was in awful shape too. So really? it was a leap of faith. It was covered with black. Couldn't see it. Uh, <laughs> it yeah. definitely looks like something. And stained glass is sort of this way, I think, where photos never really do it justice. You have to see it in person. Yeah, yeah. We just were visionary. We we had a vision. I would say visionaries. We had a vision of what it could be, and I think we were crossing our fingers. We coupled with, uh, we got with uh, a glass shop across the street, just happened to be across the street from us. And they had the patience and the wherewithal to take all the slack off. And lo and behold, this thing had colors and it was, it wasn't what you would think. Oh God, you shop. didn't even know that it, it had. It was absolutely night and day, seeing it after it was restored. You didn't wow. even know it, it was, had it color. Well, I mean, you could put a really bright light behind it and it would be a dull menagerie of colors, but it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it turned out there are greens and whites and blues in there that are just mind blowing. There's a dog in there. We could we didn't know that. We didn't know that. <laughs> Damn, story. That's crazy. My my grandpa, just for a self serving story, my grandpa did stained glass as a hobby and it was in my, my mom's house, you know, for literally like thirty years and she was a big smoker and her husband was a big smoker. Anyway, um I took all those after they passed and uh I took them home and like cleaned them and it was the same sort of thing like uh, my grandpa did this like Pegasus motif kind of thing, right? And like the the off white for the horse, I just thought was like off white. But if you clean the nicotine off it, and it's like the yellow, dark yellow rag, it's like ha- it was almost like like abalone shell, where it was like uh, you know white with like some swirls of blues in it or whatever. And all that subtlety was just lost because it wasn't you know taken care of or cleaned or whatever. So I can sort of uh, picture you know in my mind how you guys were looking at this thing for the first for really for the first time. Yeah, and it was also the age of the building. So we restored this building, which was 100 years old plus when we bought it. And we thought, okay, if we're going to restore it and gut it, you've seen the pictures on the website, we had better put something back that has some authenticity and something, some story to tell. So it, it's it's probably from 19, best we know, or best we can tell, 1912, 1914 yeah. wow. was that bar. Yeah. That's and cool. also, I should say that, that our tap room feels like something between an English and an Irish pub. Uh, but right there in the middle of it, right there in the cornerstone is this German motif. And I think that's the thing. We wanted people to know that we are two things. 
we are this English pub, but we also have this this German slant to us. And that goes back to the beginning. You know, our the name of this place is Mick Fleshman's. My wife's last name is McCoy. Mine is Fleshman. So that's Irish and German. Uh, but it just happens to be the styles of beer we love the most. She loves her English and her Irish ales, and I love German lagers. And it just nice. so happened that it just it just unfolds into a story. Yeah. So basically everything in your life is just sort of like planned out for you. That's, that's I mean, what yeah, I'm getting. Of it. Yeah, I, <laughs> you're doing, it sounds like you're making the choices. And I wonder what that feels like. <laughs> just sort of have like, well, you know what? Everything has been working towards this. I can use this skill to do this thing that would let me do something else that I love at the same time. So that's really great. And it's just, I don't know what that, I don't know what that feels like. Dumb shit that I've done that has nothing to do with where I am now. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm like, I'm going, wow, man, I, you know, the only thing I can really do is podcast. And even then I'd suck at it. So I'm just going to paint like train models until I figure out what to do with my life. And it just doesn't like, it's a good thing. My wife is smart and has a good job. (laughs) It's one of those things. Um, all right, boys. Well, let's do this. Let's take a, a break and we're going to come back and we're going to crack open some more beers. Uh, I think we'll do the Kolsch sort of reverse it, rewind it, go to Kolsch. I know Shane, you're, you're, you're chugging Kolsch there, um, which I'm about to do and the English pale at the same time. So we'll sort of, uh, jump styles around like that. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Hang on, everybody. We'll be right back. It's the session. Uh, don't leave me, please. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Segmented, demented, fermented, fermented. It's the session. And if you're sticking around, everybody, we have Shane and Bobby from McFleshman's Brewing Company in Wisconsin. We have a couple beers here we're going to crack open. I'm going to bust open the Kolsch right now. Uh, But Bobby, you were talking about Easter eggs. Oh, yes. Well, so this is one of, I think both Shane and I love the style so much. So back in when we started brewing it, when we were going to brew it for the brewery, we had a couple of pilot batches and uh, we made one that was my recipe, one that was Shane's recipe. And we were going to like, okay, let's tally up to see who, who is the favorite, right? So they were kind of like a dead heat mostly through all the way through. Okay, I get uh, it. But we called it Cologne Wars. That's so bad, right? <laughs> I knew you would love that. <laughs> I do so, like that. So, because uh, Cologne's where the the Kolsch mm-hmm. is from. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, so uh, we, we did this. And at the end of the day, uh, we ended up brewing, or uh, ended up making a, a call that let's do kind of a mashup of the two. And Shane came to me one day and he says, why don't we just, he says, I'll do you proud. I'll do you proud if you just let me brew this with my beer. And I think, his beer had a little bit of wheat in it and it took away a late hop that mine did. And so I'll do you proud. So he did this beer uh, and it ended up taking our first medal. Was it our first medal? Shane? It was US Open. Wow. What happened was I, I came to Bobby and I said, man, I know that it's a dead heat. I know that you know, 
the both recipes are good, but I feel really passionate about this. Yeah. Let me have this one. And Bobby <laughs> said, all right, brew yours, but you better knock yeah. it out of the park. And you yeah, did. So I'll do it again. Yeah. It sounds like you did, though, man. I mean, taking home hardware is uh, is pretty much a knock out of the park. You know, and where's this, this burgeoning brewery? It's not even fully constructed. We were still studs everywhere. It's like okay. we're just trying to do everything at once. And yeah. uh, we got this metal. It was it was quite the shot in the arm that we, we needed at the time. Nice. What was it? Uh, what was the metal from? It was U.S. Open. Uh, we got a U.S. Open okay. in bronze. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. So you were up in Bruin before you had everything really put together. Well, I, I should say that it kind of came in phases. We built okay. the tap room. We built the brewery. We built the room I'm standing in. And our neighbors next door, uh, we were contracting where we were brewing on their system as as we were getting on our feet. Nice. So, yeah, we built everything here, man. There's a whole story here. We built our own system, everything, the whole thing. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it's quite a story. It's more than we can talk about in the podcast. <laughs> for, sure, for sure, man. Yeah. yeah. How was it sort of uh, opening a brewery next door to a brewery? I mean, I know that happens and, and everyone sort of gets along, but for me, I, I don't, I don't know that I would feel comfortable another, having another brewery coming in right next door to my place. It was partly their idea. Really? Yeah. It wow. was, they suggested we buy this building. <laughs> we wow. were good friends with them. They, yeah. They, they sound like great, like people to have next door, you know, they really are. Yeah, shout out to Ben and Jeff and everybody at Appleton Beer Factory. We are 25 feet away these guys. I'm looking at their their building right outside this window. Wow. Uh, 25 feet away from them. And so we actually have a collaborative sour program we're going to call 25 feet. Uh, (laughs) It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. We have such a great relationship between with those guys. That's cool. This this is always part of the plan. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good, man. And the synergy between customers and – all that kind of stuff. It's just, I imagine it sort of helps everybody. Well, and it worried the hell out of me too when we first started. Yeah. Because uh, I, th- I said the same thing you just said. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but I realized pretty early on, especially once I got to know those guys, because obviously Bobby lived up here before I did. He knew them already. And they're just such awesome guys. Uh, and also, our styles sort of dovetail really nicely. You know, we specialize in European styles, German lagers, English ales. And they do mostly American styles, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're stepping on each other's toes a bunch or anything like that. And, uh, you know, the styles that we do brew in common, things like Hefeweizen and stuff like that, you know, we share yeast back and forth, save each other some money, you know, things like that. It's, it really could not be a better, uh, wow. better relationship. Yeah, I like it. How, how long have they, had they been there before you guys had opened? We opened in 13. Okay. So I guess they had been open for about five years before we opened. But, but again, okay. I, you know how this goes. It's not like you just open. So there was a, there was a whole lot of years leading up yeah. to us opening that we were, we even started our sour program a couple of years before we opened. It, it, we, we, we started brewing and putting in barrels and all this stuff uh, at their place as we're doing construction here from, from the ground up. So, you know, I would say probably three years after they opened, I started collaborating with them. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. Find, Got to find a good partner. Uh, I like this Kolsch, man. It's very light. Um, you know, I think it, I think it did come like on like a really hot week. So um, I think there is a little heat damage, but well, even, I mean, it happens, right? It's just, it's part of the gig. Bebo told me it sat in our, in, in Appleton for three days. Oh, man. So blame FedEx for that. Yeah, for sure. But, but it's, it's one of those beers that's like so easy to drink underneath all that. You sort of, you, it's easy to overlook. 
that you know that like they'll heat damage like aspect and and i buy a lot of beers that are man i bought a fucking six pack of anchor steam that's just like you can't drink it it's it it, because that beer doesn't travel well but this beer i think you can overlook it with that you can definitely it's it's not as bad uh it hasn't been as badly beaten up um on the way over here and the underlying beer is still very light it's still crisp um, it's still, there's a little bit of, of grain coming through, but not too much. It's not like overly biscuity or whatever. Uh, the, the hops are there. Everything is good. It's just a good, it's a good tasting beer. Have you been to clone uh, to, to no, have cold? I would yeah. love to, but, um, no. Yeah. I, that's one of the things I, one of the trips that I took that really inspired this and, and having this, this brewery, uh, and having Kolsch there and, and experiencing the beer gardens there. I hear it's that, life changing. Like it's oh, just like an epiphany. It's like a oh, thing, man. I, I, yeah. I've heard Jamil talk about how he tried to recreate Kolsch and he can't do it because you just, you can't recreate Cologne. Yeah. Are you finding that? This is a good opportunity to talk about our beer garden. Man. Oh, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Shane just got promoted ahead of marketing too. <laughs> uh, that's some competition there I hear. I can tell you. Uh, but it, yeah, right. So we have this English thing, interior, exterior, we got a really sweet beer garden. It's, I don't know, it's probably, I, I'm a little biased, but I think it's probably the best place to drink beer in town, certainly outside. And we're, we're a population of 300,000. If you add up all the contiguous cities. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So it's popular right now. I'm, I'm hearing music I, right outside the, the wall here. It, they're, they're having fun out there. They're cranking it. Okay. Yeah. How have you guys been uh, handling COVID and all that kind of fun stuff? Come on, JP. How long is this interview? <laughs> uh, Truncated a little bit, but you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll as well as the next guy. Yeah, uh, we, we had to get our because we were a little bitty guy. We barely had anything in package. Really, nothing in package before COVID. Nor did we have plans to for a while yet. Yeah. Oh wow. So we had to buy a canning machine. We actually were buying a canning machine coincidentally right before COVID happened. Uh, so we kind of got our foot in the door like just the right time because then the orders went, you know, like that through the roof. Every thousand breweries, uh, many thousand breweries were buying these little canning machines. Yeah. But for the first four months of COVID, we were canning with a couple of Blickman beer guns and a benchtop steamer. Man. Hell yeah, dude. You and probably like a thousand other breweries too, man. Yeah. The sweat yeah. going like, I don't know what to do, but we just have to keep moving forward. Okay. So I will say when we bought, when we, when we put this together, I said, we have got to have a dissolved oxygen meter. How many breweries start that way? It's like a (laughs) price of a Right. So I said, before we even start, let's get this because I want to be able to check our process at every point. You know, even if Mm -hmm. we don't have, we're not like, you know, have millions and millions backing us. We're going to have that tool because that'll validate our process at every stage. So we were able to pierce the cans, measure the DO. And I'm telling you, man, this, it was on par with, it would make, I don't want to say it would make them blush, but it might make Sierra Nevada blush. Oh. We're talking about 10 parts per billion. It was that low. Wow. And it, in the world of beer, that's that's extreme. So, and here's here's something to back that up, not to to uh, get ahead of our of game here, but our English pale ale, we, we were uh, putting some of that in cans in the middle of the pandemic. You know, I'm out there putting it beer gun style, sealing it up and all this stuff with a single head manual seamer. And, uh, I'm thinking this is, you know, you know, this is a way to just keep the lights on through all of this. Just get the liquid out the door however we can back in like April of last year. Anyway, that beer we, we submitted ultimately to JBF and it took a, 
bronze. Is that right, Shane? That, nice. Yeah, it was a hand canned MSB. Damn, uh, dude. <laughs> ESB, like right off, just boom. Like, Congrats, so, so that's great. The, the science was there, and like, okay, that's stable. That's going to sit on the shelf just fine. But but here it goes and wins a, a bronze last year. Wow. Yeah. Who would have thought? In a, in a year of surprises, who would have yeah. thought that would have been one that come down the pipe? Man, you know. So, like Shane said, it was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, like every other brewer. Not to, uh, I don't yeah. go into it too much. It's just we bought a machine and we worked our asses off. We got our, our liquid out there however we could. Yeah. And, and now drafts back online, and now we have all this. We have a canning machine, and we have innumerable accounts that are buying your cans. So we've just increased our business. We grew to we grew in 2020 over 2019 uh, because I doubled down on capacity. We doubled our t- our number of tanks. Uh, we got some relief money, and I put that forward in capacity. I just, it, it's a weird mm. thing to do, right? It's a weird sure. thing to spend all this money in an uncertain time, but that's where we were. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like especially what a year, year and a half after open, this whole thing happens. Like you, you're you're sort of in it now. You're set. Yeah, you got, you got to push forward. You can't you can't just fold. I I there's nothing I can do. I got to quit or whatever. And that's the story that I'm hearing with a lot of breweries we've been interviewing this year is the way that they persevered is expanded their tap room or, you know, bought a canner or, you know, did these things that you normally wouldn't because you think your natural reaction, I would imagine, is to sort of, you know, contract a little bit and go slurp everything in and go, I'm not going to spend a thing. I got to just, you know, you know, uh, life support only. Um, The the math, the math is, okay, we could say, hey, let's get it in cans and call it a day. Let's not buy more tanks. But that doesn't work because you don't. Your margins on cans are not good, so you have mm-hmm. to increase your your volume. So that's why. And at the other end of the of of the tunnel here, now we have increased our capacity, and hopefully a lot of that goes towards draft. That's where yeah. we make our big margins. It's also where you get the best beer. Uh, there's not a lot of oxygen getting into that package there. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your your draft distribution has increased as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, especially like some of these accounts that had had taken us on as a uh, small package like cans. Uh, now they've said, Hey, this is selling well. Let's throw this, let's kick this handle off and it's yours. Let's roll with it for a while. Wow. And so we're seeing that grow too. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. It's a good Kolsch, man. I bet it tastes great on that beer garden. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I'm threatening to do the little 13, uh, is it 13 to a carousel stonches, those little 600 mil glasses? I'm threatening to do that, but the bar staff's going to kill me. Oh, <laughs> I've heard the, oh, I've, I've only heard like terrible things from breweries who've done that because people look at it and go, why can't I just get like a pint? And they don't, it's that, <laughs> that American European sort of conflict yeah. that happens where they don't, we don't really understand because that's not our like drinking culture. And I, I'm sort of the same way. Like when I go, um, sometimes at the hop grenade, you know, we used to get these beers, uh, that are like, they're, they're, they're expensive or they're like a 16th keg or whatever, but it's still just like a session IPA, but they'll try to serve it in like an eight ounce goblet or whatever. And I'm like, can I just get a, can I get it in a pint glass? I don't need more liquid. I just want it in. I don't want it in a tulip glass. It's a session IPA for God's sakes. Can we just not do this? And, you know, and, and, you know, and everyone rolls their eyes at me and then it ultimately just does it because, you know, I just throw my weight around if you know what I mean, but I'm a bitch is what I'm saying. But, um, it's, you know, it, I don't know. I, I, I sort of get it sometimes. Cause like that, like that nonic, that 20 ounce, you know, I just feels good in my disgustingly large hands. So yeah. 
I get it, but also I sort of I sort of would like the little thirteen ounce pipette. I mean, for lack of a better term, glass freaks here, man. If you ever make it out here, we're glass freaks. We probably have ten different formats, and again, drives the bar nuts. I think that's cool, though, man. I mean, you know, again, I don't know. I mean, I think only in some sections of the Bay Area specifically would that go over well. I feel like that would be more at a beer bar than a brewery. Yeah. For unknown reasons. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, our, our, our tagline, uh, what, what's printed on, above our logo, in, incorporated in our logo, is respecting the beer. And uh, I don't know, we always felt like part of that has to do with proper glassware, proper temperature. Yeah. You know, all of our servers are, are at, at the very least, uh, Cicerone uh, certified beer servers. Oh, nice. I think you'd have to be. I mean, <laughs> with all the yeah. glassware hanging around. <laughs> And, sure. and it, that's the that's the worst part of COVID for me. One of the worst parts is uh, we haven't been serving in glass. We've been serving in compostable, uh, you know, uh, corn based. Oh sure, yeah, single use. You know, okay, putting glassware across the bar. You know, yeah. uh, hopefully that'll end soon. You know, we're all vaxxed up. So, thank you <laughs> for sure, man. <laughs> I still don't understand that the, the hesitancy, but. You know, yeah. whatever, man. I guess you can you can always learn something from somebody, but uh, not anti-vaxxers. People um, get vaccinated. We we most recently there was a, a push to get the, the final percentage that won't get vaccinated. We were giving beers away for that. Wow! Uh, just show up. Us and a lot of breweries, so you get beers everywhere. <laughs> it was crazy. Just do it, yeah. man. Just do yeah. it. God, mm-hmm. I don't understand it. People go, oh, "I'll get to it." It's like, no, now, motherfucker, just do it. I mean, I, you know, you try to flip it on them. You go, ah, look, I was afraid of needles too. I get it. You're scared of needles and that's fine. But, you know, anytime you want to get somebody to do something, you just emasculate them and then it's fine. Um, I just cracked the English pale, the MSB. What is the MSB? That's the one. That's the one that took our special bitter. That's the uh, GBF. It's our English bitter. Why Uh, is it an M? Oh, McFleshman special bitter. Yeah. I get it. Which is kind of a misnomer. It's actually it's actually a best bitter if you want to get real technical. Yep. <laughs> why? <laughs> so why are you lying to your consumer? That is. It's, not yeah. an, it's not an extra special. It's an, actually a special bitter. It's not an extra special bitter. That's the confusion. That, oh. There's all these, these misnomers. So so you guys are liars is what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's, yeah. Okay. So it insinuates ESB. And in my mind, there is no ESB except for fours. Fuller's is the only one that, okay. in my mind that, that exists. They, they created the style, and nothing else has tasted like that in my mind. These bubbles are like—I don't know if I just am a, a, a poor a hero, but like the bubbles are very fine, very tight bubbles on this guy. I want—I mean, yeah. I, there's it's not nitrogen. There's no nitrogen in here, right? No, no. Uh, we we you get do a can condition one, Bobby. I don't know because I just poured one, and I'm wondering if you have a can conditioned version. Uh, I mean, it's, we, we did it's hard to see. It's hard to see when I'm. I mean, because everything is just being blown up by my makeup tutorial. True later, story. But. True story. Oh, you may have a can condition version of that beer. Look at that. <laughs> that. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, let me look. So, honestly, I didn't hand pick the can. You might have a can that's hand that's been can conditioned. How do I know? Does it say on the label or? Uh... No, no. It's a, it's an experimental batch. I, would, okay. I, I don't know if that snuck out to you or not. But anyway, that might explain that. I know that. I mean, I poured I poured it really rough, and so you know I wouldn't call it cloudy, but maybe there's a little bit floating in there. I don't know. Yeah, 
Hard to say. Could be. Well, Tastes in any good. case, this is this is a classic homebrew. I mean, this this is one that I brewed. Oh my god, I don't know how long ago, but it's classic homebrew. I'm sitting here looking at the because if anyone ever wants to know like the rest. By the way, if anyone wants to know these recipes, just drop either, the recipe on this one because this is like this is now my the favorite that I've been drinking. I, I know you so well, man. I really like yeah. it. It's very malty. And what's the ABV on it first before I put my uh, stamp approval on? I think this one's four point. Oh, I'm gonna drink the whole fucking thing. All right, <laughs> so let's go. So give us the recipe on this, dude. So all right, this is classic homebrew right here, right? I'll well, get percentages. Well, don't say that. Don't say classic homebrew because then it's just going to taste like shit. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I mean I'm, joking. Is, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. That's the amount of ingredients. Yeah. But we split the base malt up between Baird's Maris, and we, we support Brees because we're we're 40 miles from Brees. So, so we do their, their brewer's malt. Actually, their pale malt on this one. Uh, we do the, the Baird's Maris and the Brees pale. That's split, okay? okay. That's, at, that's at 40% each. All right? And then uh, I'm just making sure you get the percentages right here. So we do 5% of aromatic from Brees. That gets you sort of uh, along that melanoidin trajectory. And then here's the secret ingredient. If you want to know how we make a lot of these English beers, 5% victory. Victories are the nutty sort of, yeah, uh, yeah caramely, but mostly nutty. Uh, toast. It's a toasted malt. It's in the same vein as, as a lot of those. Okay. Uh, Melanoidins and kind of become our signature malt. A lot of it's our, it may be our, it's definitely on our English side. It's our signature signature malt for sure. I could see that. And then and then here's uh and then we bring in uh, Thomas Fawcett. We do crystal medium on this, and that comes in at four percent. Okay. And then we have a C one twenty, which is breeze, but you could probably do uh, a high from from uh, Thomas Fawcett. We do that at one percent. And then nice. to your liking, you can add carafils. We put 2% in. So if okay. anyone's listening, they can put all that down on paper. Um, email either Bobby or Shane at McFleshman's. We'll send you the whole thing. You can just brew it. Here's the hop side. At uh, 60 minutes, it's all, all EKG, all, all English EKG. At 60 minutes, we do uh, 12 IBUs. At 10 minutes, we do four. And then we have a whirlpool on this. And that charge is her ten barrels. It's ten. It's one point. So it's three pounds per ten barrels on that whirlpool charge. Whirlpool. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. What made you decide to do that? Just needed a little more. We've been playing with that. Yeah, yeah. we've been playing with and that. And it's a lot easier than dry hopping. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Again, these these are not malts that are high in oil. I mean, sorry, hops that are high in oil. It's not like we're just blasting this thing, you know, in, a, in, in the whirlpool with all these oils. It, it's a way of us, uh, like Shane says, to not have to dry hop it in the fermenter. However, this is a great segue to our uh, firkins, you know, our real mm-hmm. ales. We do a lot of real ales. We do a lot of firkins. And in, that, in which case, every single one gets dry hopped, just as you would expect. Uh, MSB, I think this one is a low charge. It's not a lot if we'll do it. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't and imagine we, this. We whether we whether we do it or not. Okay. Yeah. All right. It certainly happens with our with our English IPA. We we yeah. go back and forth on this one. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to imagine. Alert. We actually don't. We actually don't dry hop the MSB in the perfect or otherwise. We have as an experiment. <laughs> yeah. But we typically we don't. We we do with the uh, English IPA though. Yeah. Yeah. Shane's like, no, bro, we don't do that. 
I'm not, I'm not down with that. It's no too much. dry hops in the Perkins, but yeah, yeah we well, thought about that. I mean, you know, in tasting this, it is very, it is very toasty, uh, but not off-putting. You know, there's a little bit of the caramel that sort of balances. It gives it that sweet that balances the toasty out. And again, not overwhelmingly so. And I'm I'm trying to imagine it with a charge of dry hops in a cask and whatever. And I, I feel like that would be a little too much. And that's kind of where we are right now. Like, yeah. like Shane said, this current iteration is without. Shane's a big fan of, of this of making a distinction between all of our styles. Okay. And and he'll say, okay, this one needs to be, have a dry hop, or this one needs to have uh, hops in the, in the in the cask or in the whirlpool or what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I think the way that that I approach these beers is I like to put that charge somewhere so you don't notice it. But it's part of what builds up the rest of that beer. It's 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 okay. a it's a spice that that's there for other reasons than its mm. own self, and that's where Shane and I kind of we, we do a really good job of, of balancing. I think that that needle there. Okay, so you're so you're you're approaching it not like we have on the on the menu that this is dry hopped, so people have to know oh, yeah. that it's dry hopped. It's dry hopped, and then if they go, well, I can't taste the thing. It's like, well, exactly. You're not supposed to. <laughs> We don't tell people that we dry hop any of the Firkins or not. Oh, okay. Uh, we're doing really well just to get them to try them. So we don't <laughs> want to them terms. Yeah. Any, anything beyond that is just a win. <laughs> yeah. This is the challenge uh, enough is to be like, yes, COVID. I'll take one of those. Okay. Before COVID, I mean, we, we have we have four beautiful beer engines mm. behind the bar in the tap room. And before COVID, all four of them always had something on. Um, we always had four Cascales on. Uh, once COVID hit, uh, we didn't have any on for a while, and then we went to like one at a time. Okay. You know? uh, so yeah, but it, it was it was always a challenge to get people familiarized with the concept. Yeah. Because I don't know how many times I put a beer across the bar and then to hear this is warm and flat, you know. You know, it's funny. I mean, I was watching some some like English TV show today, and they went to a pub, of course, because that's just in every English TV show. I don't care what it is. And, uh, you know, the guy walks back from the bar and he has like the tulip, you know, the 20 ounce or whatever, maybe the 20 ounce, whatever. And it's just like, it, it basically, the head was, was less than this. It was just like, you know, nothing. It was just a slight white, you know, one, maybe one bubble each in length all the way around. And it's just right to the top. And I'm going, God, that looks delicious. That's all I want right now. And, you know, because you see otherwise, like, you know, beers, these big giant heads and whatever. And it's like, man, all that is to me is just gas. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's all just gas. That's a dumb thing to say. But you know what I mean? Where it's like, just sort of gets in your belly. And like, so, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I understand how the average drinker would be like, I don't, it, it is almost like, learning another language to a lot of people with, with even beer engines. Uh, you know, I, I, I imagine everyone in the beer industry, everyone, especially listening to the show, understands the beer engine. Okay, we, you know, we get it. This is exactly what it's supposed to do or whatever. But I imagine people who just walk in, see the thing, see the hand pump, and they don't really fully get it. So, I, yeah, I could see you guys have some work to do with the styles you're putting out. Especially this market. Back to what you said, JP, this is a lager market. This is why we started with that Hellas Lager. It's why we brew an Amber and Oktoberfest, all these things that do really well here. Uh, trying to, to cut in with these English ales, it's a tough market for that. Uh, that said, we're learning to play the game. Okay. Uh, we have 
let, let's say we have four engines on at any time, I have one or two that are just ridiculous. You know, this one's just stuck full of habaneros. This one has cucumber. This one has whatever. Nice. We're, we're, you know what I mean? Because yep. those are the people who are looking for that. So you kind of read your audience and like, oh, okay. you want a new engine? How about we try this one? Because that'll prevent them from just getting right on untap and saying hot and flat and never having it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's man. A whole thing. Yeah, I imagine a, a you you know a, a, a sour beer engine, where then you can fruit anything and Done. just run it Do through. It. I mean, honestly, that might not be such a terrible idea, although it might be also a terrible idea. Yeah, right. I mean, I could see that, man. And you know, and, and I think you guys are sort of ballsy going four beer engines in in Logger Town. I don't, you know, I mean. Yeah, we're, we're doing more Firkins than anyone in the entire state. It's not because we're big. It's yeah. just because no one's doing it. <laughs> Everyone's way smarter than we are. They're also making a bunch of hazies, too. That's another of co- story. Well, of course, yeah. Um, how Actually, I was talking to today from Flattail today about that. I'm like, hey, how's your beer going? He's like, well, the wit and the whatever, no one gives a shit about, but it's all the fucking juicy, hazy IPAs, man. And he, Here's my business owner hat, right? That's yeah, what, well, and, he, and he yeah. fucking hates it. He hates it. But you you have to do the thing, right? And obviously, if the beer's selling, it's good. So, you know, and there's no doubt when Dave brews a beer but that it's going to be good. But it's just like, I know it, it hurts his soul even more than... I would than, argue that you don't have to do the thing. I well, mean, we, yeah, we, I mean, you're okay, right. Okay, so we, we have made it a point um, to not do the thing. Yeah. You know, we brewed, what, like three hazies and all of them were collaborations. Yeah. Well, Uh, I think that's good for you guys. Like out here, you, you absolutely have to, there's no way around it because nobody's look, nobody. And, and I wanted to, I'm glad you brought up the, the, the hand tap, uh, the beer engine. Nobody does that out here. Literally nobody at Mm -hmm. all. So just by virtue of that, it's like such a weird area. Like just now loggers are starting to catch on like proper loggers, right? Just now starting to catch on. Nobody does an ESB zero people do it. And if they do it, they do it one at a time so they can use it as a, a yeast propagation beer and they don't fucking can it and they don't sell it. Uh, you know, oh, they don't sell it. They dump more of it. And it's these things that like the beer market out here is so different. So I do like talking to, to, to people like you guys who are brewing different beers to number one, learn how it is on the other side of the, you know, the, the getting out of the eye of the storm, so to speak. But, you know, it is also, it's just a completely different market out here. It's like hard seltzer, hazy IPAs, and maybe West Coast IPA, if you're lucky, if you can squeeze one out, and then, you know, fruited, slushed, sour beers. That's it. That's what you're doing out here. Yeah, it, it happens here, too. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's everywhere. It's just more so, I think, where you are and, yeah. and on the coast. Yeah, well, that is, I mean, that is good. I mean, to your point, Shane, you don't, you don't have to do the thing, but... Uh, and that's good that you're that you're not. And I know breweries that specifically aren't even out here aren't trying to do the hazy thing on principle or whatever. And I definitely respect that because, you know, if we all just followed the trend, we would all be brewing West Coast IPAs and then we would all have been brewing brute IPAs. And then where would we be? <laughs> you know okay, I mean? well, to be fair, we did brew a brute IPA. Yeah, and you we motherfucker. Also a, we, and we also want to meddle with it. So. <laughs> did you? <laughs> Where at where? Uh, that was another U.S. Open. Oh yeah, well that sounds like that competition sucks, dude. Don't ever enter. No. Um, you want you want to meddle with it? I love it. Good. Well, that's good. You're the one success story. Um, besides well, and here's why kitchen. though. Here's why. Yeah. Because uh, you know we don't want to just follow the trend because um, that's not who we are. Yeah. But 
like, you know, we've talked about our English and German, uh, you know, passion. Uh, but also, Bobby will tell, be the first to tell you that there's also a lot of West Coast influence there. Um, hence your West Coast double IPA. And the brewed IPA kind of follows into that category, too. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Here's the can <laughs> art for the uh, MSB. Right. right. Spin that around. That That's uh, Abigail Veith. I have not met her, I, but we do try to... Oh, by the way, all of our labels are, I should say most of our labels, when they're not generic, like this one, they are... They're local artists that we try to to uh, to put out there. We're we're not we're not creative enough people, but we're creative enough to involve creative people. Yeah, what I love about that dude is is uh, the contact information and the name of the yeah. artist is on there. Most breweries, ninety nine percent of them, won't you know yeah. bless up the the artist. You know, maybe on their Facebook page once, or maybe like we did a collab with X Y Z on Instagram or whatever, and that is it. But it is prominently displayed on the label not only that the facebook page the email address of the artist and i think that's really i think that's very very cool it's very much uh we we have a couple of artists artists that are part of our team here uh that are involved in in doing the copy and the layout of these but they're just so well connected so whenever Mm -hmm. we come up with a new style they they like oh i know the i know the right person and they just connect a concept and out comes this great artwork by the way that the front of that that Kolsch label, that's, yeah. we're loving that so much right now. Yeah, it was cool. It was definitely an eye catcher. When I opened yeah, yeah. the box, that was the first one that I saw, and I was like, wow, that is, it is sort of, you can't really stop looking at it because there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. Um, okay, let me take a break. I'm going to get the rest of the beers. So this is the last break. So this is going to be a long one, everybody. So strap cool. in, <laughs> actually go pee, empty your bladders, Get ready, drink some water if you're drinking along with us, because we'll be right back with McFleshman's Brewing on the session. Hang tight. We'll be right back. You're tuned into the session. Because life's too short to listen to crappy radio. And thanks for sticking with us, everybody. We are on the session. We're about to wrap things up. Well, about to. We have three beers to get through. So uh, there's not. we're not going to be wrapping up anytime soon, but uh, very shortly. Uh, I'm about to crack open the English IPA, the Tall Mast English IPA. Can you guys tell me about this beer, please? That one's also third on cask in the tap room. What's that? Was the first one on cask? It was. Nice. And how does an, so, how does an English IPA sell? And uh, you know, because you know, obviously the name implies that it straddles the English, and then just you know the normal IPAs that everybody you know goes through. But do, do people get the English IPA and are surprised? And there are people that this is their jam, like this is their it, absolute go-to. Okay, it has a definite following. <laughs> good, that's good, man. I think uh, I think more more English IPAs is what we need. But IPA is a kiss of death if, if people have in their mindset something like a West Coast or a Hazy or whatever they're thinking. Mm-hmm. It's a kiss of death when they order it. And like, this is what they get, especially warm yeah, and dude. flat, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm smelling it, and it's, it's it definitely smells, uh, you know, those floral, earthy sort of, you know, English hops. It is big and malty, but not overly so. It 
finishes, you know, slightly dry, but not really. I could definitely see like someone going, oh yeah, I want an IPA, man. And this is not, this is not the IPA you're looking for. Nope. No. It's not, it's neither crisps nor clean, nor finishes super dry, uh, nor dank or juicy. It's none of those things, but it is a very good English IPA. What are, what are your malts in on, on, on this one? Uh, we, we try to do on this one, I try to do Golden Promise split with same trick. So the base malt is split with Golden Promise and Grease Pale. Okay. Uh, I, again, we're trying to support local as much as we can, but not compromise that that English character in these beers. Uh, I like Golden Promise. It's a little cleaner than Maris. Uh, that's how we landed on this one. Um, and again, that was to differentiate it from the MSB. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's definitely something I'm really worried about. Oh, you got these two, you know, hoppy-ish, caramelly-ish English beers. We really tried hard not to make them the same. You yeah, know? yeah. You know, I was th- I was thinking that they are they are you know forty to sixty percent samey. I mean, it's a similar style, but it's not as caramelly as the other ones. The MSB. Uh, obviously, there's more hop character in 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 the aroma and in the flavor a little bit. Um, so there's they are slightly different, but they do have like a uh, like a forty percent very similar character. Yeah, the the thing where I said that we had C one twenty in the other one, even at small percentages, the MSB, mm-hmm. we're talking four percent both in the the forty and eighty C forty and C eighty. Okay, you could say that, you could say that that's Brees. You you could say that that's Thomas Fawcett. I prefer Thomas Fawcett, especially for those higher, higher kiln caramel yeah. malts. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, an amazing malt. It's mind blowing. Uh, but if you if you uh, overdo it, like anything else, it, it's it'll it'll put your recipe out of balance. Yeah, Thomas sure. Fawcett is really great for caramel malts. I think though, and, and I like the layering of the caramel malts too. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just like oh, we're gonna do you know C forty or whatever. You get that you get that 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 layering in there that you don't get from another. You know, exactly another source exactly. like that. This is a good and beer, then, honestly. I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say that the victory again, but we do victory, victory. at two percent in this one. We don't want too much of that coming through on the IPA here. Yeah, um, I think I prefer this over the MSB. Well, now I want to tell you one thing about this beer, and I don't this know why, a, and I don't like so that. Do you <laughs> do you, uh, did you get a picture of our, our open fermenter? I we have an open fermenter here. You have an open for that's right. It's in your notes. I do. I have a picture. I might have a picture. Um, Imagine it's a tank with no top on it. So we have a room that's. Thanks for telling me that. Right. Right. So I'm a fucking expert. How dare you talk to me like that? (laughs) So the reason, so reason I bring it up though, is this is the first beer we, is this the first one, Shane? This was the first one. Yeah. yeah. And is that, did did he get that batch? Yes, he did. You're drinking the beer that came out of that open fermenter, that very first beer that we that we made in that open fermenter. Uh, wow. So we're hoping we're hoping this is actually generating some more of that estuary profile that you can acquire in that kind of geometry, not just in that geometry, but also that exposure to oxygen, especially early on in the fermentation. Uh, there's another reason we do it. There's two other reasons we do it. Uh, one is we can pull the yeast off the top, uh, collect it for the next batch. The third reason is it just looks cool as shit. People love <laughs> to watch whatever sausage being made, right? Right. And also freaked out by it and still drink it. By people, Bobby means Bobby, because I have caught him standing at that window just staring at that yeast. 
my my other my other trip. So Cologne was one that inspired this brewery. The other one was Tadcaster, England, and okay. Tadcaster is where uh, Sam Smith began. Yes, right. God, so talk about just like an epic beer for for mid nineties home brewers. You're oh, talking right? McEwen's. And you're talking yeah. fucking Sam Smith's nut brown ale and oatmeal stout and like anything else just was dog shit. That's it. McEwen's That's right. strong scotch and then that shit. And then yep. you were like, well, I'm a home brewer. Oh, really? Uh, have you had? I've had that nut brown. It's it's okay. It's pretty good. You know, it's a little light struck, but you know, whatever. Right. Which it was. Yeah. I mean, they always were, but they, they moved to brown bottles and it was like, I love that shit so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the glass is like is really dark, right? And that yeah. protects it really well. Yeah, like but no, it used to be light. It used to be see through. Used to be clear. I, that's so true. When yeah. I came up, I'm trying to tell you, brother. When I came up, and back <laughs> in my day, I had to deal with light struck Sam Smith nut brown ale. <laughs> yeah, I know you're right. Uh, By I'm, the way, yeah. you can tell that we're not trying to pander to that community that likes really cool and hip. That's the label, right? Yeah, it, that's very dark and disturbing. I mean, it's just like a ship. It's like a yeah, it's like a relief of an old ship. I don't know. I don't know my uh, my ship terms. I was gonna say clipper ship, but that's probably not There's right. Sinking there in the background, it's like it's oh awesome, my God, dude. Right? Yeah, I am on your Instagram page looking at a video of the this beer fermenting in your open fermenter. There you you have a video of it too, and just the foam just sort of yeah, coming yeah. down the side of the fermenter. It's great. Yeah, that was a that one was a little bit happy. So yeah. so here's the thing. We we here this is a little bit of the technical side. So when we take yeast from one batch to the next in our conical fermenters, we get one result. Well, we're learning now taking yeast off the top of a fermenter where the most active yeast live, the healthiest yeast live, you don't need nearly as much of that to do the next story. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean so it, I mean it's 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 not a small difference. I guess that so, makes sense, but it, but it also is one of those things that I feel like you can only learn by doing it. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. This is all like anecdotal, and we're playing through these variables right now. This this is this little open fermenter has been brewing for us. How many different beers now? We've got like eight or ten beers already through it. In about eight weeks. What's that? How long we've had it had it for about eight weeks now, up and running. Yeah, one oh, week. So there it is. Uh, and and we're gonna do loggers in it too. It's, it's this Hellas that we're doing that you had at the beginning, we're going to do that in it, Ooh, yeah. and we're going to recombine that back with another batch, and we're going to do a process that's called croisoning, and that's going to clean up any of those those leftovers from that previous fermentation of the batch that's combining with. My point being is this little open fermenter is is able to do so many things. <laughs> where we've done, you know, Hefeweizen's coming up, and oh, we yeah. did a double IPA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it goes on and on. That's great, man. Yeah, the hef that definitely those things are built for that almost. But but I think I think also it's built for for double IPAs, honestly, because you really? get so more contact with hops. Okay, when we put hops in these conicals, it settles at the bottom, and then the yeast that fall on top of that. Before you know it, you've wasted eight hundred bucks worth of hops and not extracted any of that oil. Hmm. So in my mind, I think this might be a way for us to really generate better flavors off our double. Uh, by the okay. way, I wish you had our double uh, that we just put out. Uh, we we dry hopped it in that open fermenter. It's not that and, one. Uh, yeah, it is, it that, is that one. one. But I wish you had oh. the batch that I have right now because okay. 
it, it, it was done in the open for me. Got it. Okay. It's night and day. And I know you're really? like, I'm so excited about double life. <laughs> well, but you know what? Like, man, I, I tell you what, I will, I will shit on any IPA I can. However, <laughs> I will also drink it, especially if I can do a comparison. Because yeah. I do like to, I do like to find out the differences between the things, right? You know, uh, call me a cooler version of Brewlosophy. I don't know, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I would be very interested to try to try a side by side of that just to see what's up. Because you know, we're always trying to learn. For your stuff. own edification, I'm going to send you a sample. Of <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Put um, this on Doctor Homebrew or whatever. I, you know, honestly, that's what I would do. Uh, I would, uh, I would share it with the Doctor Homebrew guys, and we would just talk about that because nobody's sending us homebrew. We're having a hard time booking shows. Really? Our home, yeah, but you know, I don't know. I mean, also, we are split up during the pandemic, so right. it's like, you know, you have to ship it to at least two different places, and it just gets expensive. But we're trying to like, sort of solidify that, and maybe just ship it all to Brian. And then we can all meet up somewhere and like exchange the beers. But if anybody's listening, listening, anybody's interested, Brian at the brewing network.com email him and uh, we'll get you on the schedule. But uh, I, look, I'm liking this English IPA. I think it's good. That's it's all my jam. Say. Everyone knows it's my, my, my obsession. I mean, the, this is, this beer is Bobby's Moby Dick. Uh, <laughs> all right. He's been, he's been chasing something. I can't quite put my finger on what. This Neither can it. he, honestly. Yeah. Uh, this but ever since we, this was the, uh, when we first started, we were brewing uh, out of Appleton Beer Factory's uh, system next door uh, before we even had our own brew house up and running. And the, the Tall Mass was one of the first beers that we brewed. And it all went into Firkins. Like one of the first things I did as head brewer was I went and I bought a shitload of Firkin um, because I knew that that was going to be a big thing that we were going to be doing. And I don't know how many batches of Tall Mass we have brewed in the three years that we've been open. But I will tell you that not one of them is exactly like any of the others. Hmm. There have been tiny changes all along the way. There have been a couple of complete revamps and, and, and little tweaks on every single batch. Just tired, uh, tired. It's constantly evolving, and I don't know if it'll ever stop because every single time Bobby tastes it out of the tank, and he says, this is the best one we've ever brewed. As soon as we're ready to brew another batch, it's like he, he wants to make a couple more changes. True story. <laughs> yeah. Well, so he, he keeps me on my toes. That's good, man. I like I like to hear it. Uh, you know, and it's interesting. I'm, I get like a little bit of like red apple, like a red apple you, skin, but not like in a, in, but in a, in a, in a malt way. You know what I mean? I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you're getting some esters that are produced by the way of that open fermentation. That's sort of what I'm thinking. Like it's it's the way the yeast is sort of working with that with the the malt combination in there because it it doesn't taste in, or smell more really like entirely yeast driven, mm-hmm. but I think it's it's a way that it's sort of like you know I'm going to talk like a scientist cleaving the bullshit off the molecules, and uh, yeah I don't know it's it's very um, it's very interesting. Well Charlie Bamford says that all the time. I just you know I'm just regurgitating information. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild, man. It's good. I like it. It's very good. So, and people love this beer. Oh, yeah. Like I said, the people that love it, they they burn the house down when it's off. So God Damn. Yeah. Is that what happened to Pirate's Cove next door? This beer was off tap <laughs> and they... Uh, man, so many stories with that place. There was a drink over there called uh, uh, Vulcan Mind Probe. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I love it. You, you, you know, you should do like one-off beers... And sort of oh, like yeah. I copy their uh, their drink recipes. We have their not recipes, but the name. 
You got to yeah. you you got to do it, especially. Oh man, it would almost be like maybe sort of overtaking their brand a little bit, but like you have like a pop up where you like oh. have some other bar just come in like make like hire a bartender to make like three drinks like cocktails off of that for like their beer cocktails because you have that event space above right the the prohibition space yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. um you could just definitely do that and serve under it no don't serve underage drinkers <clears throat> i don't know whatever now i'm just uh no one no one remembers the color of the Vulcan mind probe no one remembers that we can't. It was a we fun have, game. We used to play in the tap room back when I worked the tap room. Yeah, what color <laughs> was it? Anybody who remembered it? Oh, really? Tell, tell me what color that drink was, and the arguments would start. Well, I mean, you got mind probed. I mean, how do you like? Yeah. <laughs> how do you know? Uh, yeah, I got my drinking ideas on now, so don't worry about anything I say from this point forward because they're all going to be terrible <laughs> ideas. But I'm going to give you them, and it's going to be great. Um, so I just popped the uh, double IPA, the uh, five four seven. Tell me a little bit about this guy, please. Back when I was a scientist and I did that kind of thing for a living, I spent a little time in uh, San Francisco at conferences, and I found my way into the Toronado. I know uh, you love the service there. Fuck, man. <laughs> right? I've never hated uh, being yelled at more. Uh, I don't know where you're from, but this is San Francisco. Okay, cool. Can I order now, or are you going to serve the people behind me again? So, Yeah. I uh, asked for, this is back in 2000, I don't know, five, six. And I'm asking for a local IPA. And, and I think Polly, Paul, Paul runs the bar. He's the guy. He's the one that's the biggest jackass, but okay. people come, they line up for it. The lady I, uh, the lady I uh, encountered was not Paul. <laughs> it turned out to be the owner's girlfriend. Fair enough. So, well, so I asked him for it and, he's, and he, he looked at, he looked appalled that, that I would be asking for a uh, an IPA as if I wouldn't know. So he gave me a Pliny the Elder. Okay. And uh, back then, no one maybe knew who it was outside of the Bay Area. Okay. But uh, I had it. I was just like smitten by it. And I was also smitten by this bar, by the way, as much as I am bitching about it. It's a, yeah. it's a cool – I mean, if, if, a, if a dive bar could also just be craft beer – that's the tornado. So I, and I definitely, I love the vibe of the tornado, yeah. um, you know, and, and the price point and the beer selection, it's all great. I just don't like having to wade through f- bullshit. Yeah. You know, I get demeaned enough and in, in life, I don't need to be paid. I don't need to pay you to do it. Just be nice to me and fucking give me a beer. I hate, I just, I can't stand that shit. It, like fake, I don't know, yeah. whatever. It sucks. But, it, but yes, the decor the is great in the Tornado. It's, I, I, I do like the space. I, uh, I was so smitten by that place and that beer that uh, we, we decided to make a double. We knew, you know, back when we were planning this, this, this brewery, uh, hazies weren't yet quite the dominant uh, species as they are today. Right. Uh, so we were still thinking that a double – uh, IPA from the West Coast would still be popular, so I said, "Hey, let's make this and let's 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 throw an homage both at uh, Russian River and uh, and at the Tornado." So we called it Five Forty Seven. That's the address. So oh, Five Forty Seven okay. West Haight Street. Yeah, cool. and uh, and I didn't want to when we developed this recipe. And by the way, I wish you could. I totally wish you could just put your mouth under the sample port of our fermenter. Of course, you you be wasted on you, so it doesn't matter. 
uh, when, it, yeah. when this beer is fresh, it's like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, anyway, so we, we decided to make that uh, an homage to both of those. And uh, I didn't want to look at the recipe when we came up with this recipe. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at a Pliny the Elder clone. Those are all over the world. I don't want to see those. So I just knew conceptually, you know, how, how it was constructed. I knew it was based on Simcoe and Amarillo and Cascade and Centennial, I think make their way in there. Uh, and then CPZ, uh, okay. Columbus. Yeah. And so, so all that came together without, I didn't want to use any cheat sheet in coming up with this beer. Uh, so we, we use CPZ late in this beer, you know, really late. And I, I know a lot of brewers maybe like to go really early with that, but I wanted to get something really dank, super dank, super old school. And, and we throw a little citra in. So there's your 2020 spin okay. or 2015 spin. There you go. Uh, <laughs> this is a dry hop. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, it definitely smells, you know, it smells like that, like a hot pellet bag, which is what you want. You know, it definitely has that, that punchy aroma. Um, it drinks well too. I mean, it's smooth. It definitely doesn't taste boozy. What's the alcohol on it? Uh, 8.9, 8.9. Uh, this batch, I'm not sure exactly where it lands, but it's definitely overweight. 8.3. Yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like it's a little, what's your recipe on it? Cause I feel like it may, might be a little too much crystal, like just a little bit. It's, I would uh, like to see it a little drier. We do 3% C20 on this. Hmm. Yeah, carapils, though, qualifies as crystal. And we use quite a bit of carapils. We use 5% carapils on this. I would and like that, to see it a touch drier. Yeah, I, I think the carapils is, is keeping that up. Okay. This is why I would love to see you taste or have you taste the one that we have in the fermenter now. Yeah. For all the reasons that we talked about with the open fermenter, but also because we we – Again, we get better attenuation by going with that open fermenter. There's a lot I can go into with this. Uh, Do it. We, we, we uh, I started looking into these these recipes from 1905 because there's not a lot of papers written about open fermenters right now. Sure. So, right. So uh, I'm reading these when they had these stone fermenters in, in in England, how they were able to, to improve attenuation and avoid diacetyl. And it's basically, in all honesty, it's just a simple matter of recirculation. And once you do that, and also pitching viable yeast and, and vital yeast, uh, once you nail those parameters down, you can get a an extremely well-fermented beer, like fully attenuated in every sense of the word, capital F. And uh, this is something I took away from Vinny, you know, and I've never met the guy, but, but, I, but his beers from Russian River – are always, it seems to me, if I had to, to imagine how he puts beers together, it seems to me that, that Vinny might put a higher mash temp on, it, on, on his beers, but also just have such a fantastic control of fermentation on, on the cellaring side that he's able to attenuate it at full throttle. Mm. So, you know, not to over dry it, but also to, to, to ensure that it's absolutely 100% uh, fermented out and that includes all the metabolites that are created throughout fermentation, uh, that those are mopped up and cleaned up. So uh, long and short of that is we're, we're playing with that variable in our open fermenter. We're, we're doing, you could do recirculation, by the way, in any tank. That's not, a, that's not anything special with an open fermenter. Yeah. But just at layering that onto the other attributes of an open fermenter, we're creating different beers now. 
So I'd, I'd love to have you to try this one side by side with a future iteration. No, again, really, try to put your goggles on, like for sure, like a couple IPAs. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I could definitely you know be analytical about some dumb stuff, but like you know, and it, definitely, I think what you are doing is you're you're taking the classic West Coast double and you're putting a spin on it for your market. Yeah, with especially you know just recipe wise, but especially with because I can definitely see like. You know, on the West Coast, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, you know, I think it, I think it should be a little bit drier, uh, a little bit less crystal malt. But I think for your market, maybe who who are used to, you know, the, look, the English IPA people are are clamoring for. There's definitely a, maybe a little bit more leaning towards those sort of like um, I don't say sweeter, but like a little bit more crystal beers, right? Um, and and you're putting your spin on it with the recipe, but with that open fermenter concept. I think that's something you're creating just something new, right? A new version that's, of it. That's a new addition to this, to this equation. Yeah. By the way, I think it's great. some of this, some of this, uh, this caramel conversation has to take into account how much the nose dies off over time. Mm-hmm. So when you lose that aroma over time, that sort of changes. Cause again, like I said, this beer has in my mind a four to six week shelf life. And maybe, hmm. maybe Vinny would tell you the same thing with, with his double IPA. Oh yeah. It's written all over his label. Just don't, all over the label. If you age it, I'm Natalie's going to come and fucking saw your head off. It's what's on the label. It's like, don't drink it. Don't, don't age it. Drink it fresh or you'll never be potent again. All a Kool-Aid man. Through, through the <laughs> wall like, she Vinny. would too. Yeah. <laughs> I said, drink it. Um, no, but I mean, I, I, honestly, I feel like if they could like zip line into your house, if you're like, if you're picking out like two uh, IPAs or double IPAs and you put the Pliny back to age it, I feel like if they could zip line into your house, they would do it and, and just explain to you, like be very nice and kind and be like, hey, look, stupid, drink this now. Right. And then they yeah. would want some too. And then they would zip line up, which would be hard to do, but they could do it. They could do it. Yeah. If anybody could. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I, I like it. I like the beer. I, I get the concept of what you're doing. Um, I think the hops are there. I think it's, there's enough flavor. There's enough bitterness for it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a solid drinker for sure. It's actually a top seller tonight. I was looking at our numbers earlier. It's like, that's, but again, people want alcohol, right? That's Especially right now, dude. Yeah. They're ready to go. Yeah. They're They're single and ready to mingle or they're out of quarantine and ready to Bone mm-hmm. and teen, or I don't know. and wax, baby. That's right. Yeah, it's definitely condom selling season. You know. <laughs> Just, uh, all right, let's bust this uh, Doppelbach. Now, Shane, this is oh, the yeah. one that you you forced me to to open. All right, Shane, you're gonna have to take that. I'm yeah. gonna shut up. Tell me about this guy. Oh man, so I told you earlier about the uh, the the homebrew uh, club. Uh, experiment where he was, Bobby was going to teach everybody how to brew decoction. Yeah. Uh, so this was actually what we were brewing that day. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so triple decoction, hence the name triple debacle, okay. um, because you can't have a triple decoction brew day without something getting fucked up. Right. Um, and so this is the only beer that we do that we do a triple decoction on. Wow. And we usually do a du- double batch. We do it once a year. We do double batch of it. So we do it over two days. It takes a total of about 36 hours to brew this beer. God. Into this, into this thing. And then it'll lager for, how long do we lager this thing? Eight, ten weeks? I mean, as long oh, as we possibly can. No, this, this is probably 12 to 16, but then we 
now we're barrel aging a piece of it too. Yeah, then we then we then we put it in kegs and tuck it away somewhere and don't think about it for a while longer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this beer is a monster to brew. It's the biggest beer we make, uh, so we overflow the match ton almost every time we do it. <laughs> it's almost so. Overflow the louder ton anyway. It's almost so flavorful it like hurts. <laughs> Like the recept, the receptors in my tongue and in like up to my brain are sort of like overloading because there's so much to process. It's so like a Bitcoin. Is a compliment? Yes, it's a compliment because it's so complex and the, like there is so much. There's so much going on. I almost don't believe what I just tasted because it's too much. It's like there's not too much, right? But there's it's so multi-dimensional. Yeah. You know, this, I've, this, I've, I've had a lot of one-dimensional doppelbox where it's like, here's just a bunch of crystal malt and a bunch of base malt, and you know, we whatever. Here it is, but it's a syrup, and like, this is not this is not it. I mean, attenuation is king, right? Yeah, it, it really is. If you don't attenuate, then it's it's still work. I mean, it has alcohol in it, but it's not. You know that that's that's where we're we're at. And how do you get this over the finish line? Uh, we generate all those flavors through that laborious process, but how do we get it to attenuate? And of course, this yeast wow. goes down the drain as soon as it's done. Of course, yeah, dude. <laughs> what do you yeah. do with this? It's done, uh, man. <laughs> but man, yeah, it's uh, it's our. I think it's our best beer. I but I'm really biased on mm-hmm. this one. I'm very much biased on this one. Uh, but but it's my favorite beer that we make for sure. Triple yeah. decoction. And then lagered for 16 weeks. Like, why are you, what, I mean, I don't know. What kind of business owner are you? Yeah, basically. Well, so, so the lagering time, how do you, you just keep tasting it and you go, okay, now it's ready to release. Mostly we just put it away and don't think about it for a while. Okay. (laughs) You know? All right. Um, But I think more than any other beer that we brew, this beer exemplifies who Bobby is. You know, Bobby has, <laughs> I'm sure he's going to love me telling everybody this. Bobby likes to do things the hard way. Sure. <laughs> you know, well, um, it's all for man, science. Sure. That beer nails that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it takes, it takes a long time. It takes a shitload of effort and, and labor. Uh, but I mean, hell, look at the payoff, you know? Yeah. What's the alcohol? In this? Uh, I think this one it's it's you know, about nine point three. It's wow. just a little bit more. Doesn't taste like it. Yeah, doesn't taste like it. And you know what? And I, I purposely have not asked you guys about your lagering like regime because I'm just assuming that you, you do it the right way. Yeah, we don't logger. Like I said, when I expanded the capacity last year, it was so we can ensure lagering capacity. That that's really what it was about. It was so we can we can because we we have three. So we have an amber that's really popular. It's a Vienna lager. Uh, we have this Pirates Cove Hellas Lager, and then we have a, a Czech Pilsner. And that really is our, on the lager side, that's our three most popular beers. And I knew, oh, shit, we're not going to be able to, there's no way we can make these happen at the quality we've been making them happen right now unless we just double down on this capacity. So we bought two new horizontals, uh, horizontal tanks we age in, age in, and planning a third one now. Uh, again, just to get us that that time in the tank. It's not about just turning tanks. We want to make sure the beer is ready to go. Uh, some of that is, again, from the heart, right? Going back to the beginning, the decoction story. But some of it, I think there's some science behind it. I think there's definitely some 
we don't filter our yeast out. We filter our beers, but we don't filter all of our yeast out. We filter at such a coarse level. You, you won't observe it in, in the glass. It looks perfectly clear. Yeah. Uh, but but we, we try to keep yeast in there, and I think that continues to evolve the beer. Uh, even even at uh, certainly at 40 degrees and above, uh, but at 32 degrees and below, you're really talking about uh, yeah, 30 to 32 degrees. You're really talking about filtration without filtration. So lagering allows you to to just settle out all those particles, and you're not going to accomplish that in a conical fermenter. So we, we want to make sure we, we uh, had the tanks allowed us to do that. Yeah. Because uh, filtration is great, but it allows oxygen to get in, even despite our best efforts. Oxygen is, is our nemesis, whether it's that double IPA or this, this Doppelbach or what have you. If we can find some time, if you're a home brewer, let it sit for a year, right? Let, just let it. <laughs> yeah. But if you're trying to run a business, you got to find that sweet spot. And yeah. so we bought some, some horizontal tanks there. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's definitely paying off. Uh, you know, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't know that it's that high alcohol for sure. You know, I mean, as it warms up, I mean, you know, maybe it gets a little warm, but it, you know, what do you expect? It's not gonna, you know, you can't boil it on the stove and go, yep, right. that tastes like water. I mean, you know, you're going to get flavors out of it, but that also is a hypothetical ice box. I think hypothetically, well, actually someone forgot to bring a barrel in from outside every year at the same time every year. Oh, uh, damn. And, that employee should really be fired. Man, yeah. I mean, like, it's like clockwork this yeah, guy that's weird so, so what do you so do guys, with it how do you salvage that I mean, so we just you know put it in barrels or put it in kegs see what happens yeah, yeah. uh what are you gonna do i don't so, know man. Yeah, we have all we have now 12 i counted them up we have like maybe 14 different uh box we do a my box a traditional box a double box an ice box we barrel age box all vintages it's wow so so i'm obsessed with box let's just put it there okay <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it man it sounds like it yeah, that's a good beer, dude. I like it. And, you know, you get that that very classic, that German Bach aroma. What yeast are you using on this? Same. We have one that's one lager stream. Okay, that's right. One uh, lager stream. Now, now if it's August. Hopefully it'll have gone through, you know, seven or eight batches. Yeah, we don't buy a pitch for the doppel. <laughs> call it a yeah, day. for sure. Yeah. It's a fresh one. It'll be fine. Oh, God. God, lager yeast, man. If you want to open a brewery, I'm not sure lagering is the way to go. But then again, <laughs> but they're so again, good. I'm not, I'm not sure hazy is the way to go either. Yeah, they're putting a lot, of, a lot of ingredients in those too. Yeah, I mean lagers. I don't know, man. They're 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 delicious. They're I and I tell people all the time. There's a reason that like you know Budweiser and Coors and what all these you know American lagers are the top sellers in the country. Because people like easy drinking beers that's light on flavor. Now, maybe not that light on flavor. They can be taught to like accept malt as a flavor, and a little bit of sweetness, and a little bit of hops, and you know whatever. But I don't know, man. I mean, I think there's there's a reason. There's a reason that people like lagers if they're done right. And uh, I think you guys are doing a good job on that for sure. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. You. All right, well, let's wrap it up here, boys. Mainly because we're out of beer. That's just what happens on this show. Uh, McFleshman's Brewing. You guys can go to McFleshman's.com. That's M-C-F-L-E-S-H-M-A-N-S.com. And apparently I'm uh, I, I can, I'm still able to read and spell. So that's <laughs> that's a good that's a good news uh, thing for me. And uh, anything you guys want to learn about the brewery or whatever, go there. I, I highly suggest going there and look into before and after build photos and 
all that kind of fun stuff. Um, you know, it's cool. I like to get, I like to, uh, to get the story of the place. You know what I mean? Uh, Bobby, Shane, thank you guys very much. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for sending the beer and thanks for coming on and uh, spending your time here on the session. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us, man. This has been a real pleasure. Kind of a, kind of a fanboy dream come through. So. <laughs> oh, well, thanks, man. I'm sorry. Bev's not here to talk to you. Cause that's the real, that's the real, you know, golden goose. Well, I mean, Justin could have posted. It could have been that. He could have. You're right. <laughs> now, he's busy running the bar and doing all his bar stuff. So it's like, uh, you know, you guys know as 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 business owners and stuff, it's like you gotta, you know, you gotta focus on it. So, uh, but here we are. We'll we'll figure it out, and maybe uh, hopefully soon we'll be getting back in the studio. So if you guys are planning a trip out here or whatever. You know, obviously let us man. know and yeah, come yeah. on back, come on back. We'll get you in the studio, get some beers on tap if we can. And, uh, you know, talk a little more geeky science stuff. Likewise, if you yeah. come this way, pull you one of these off the beer engine. Definitely. I actually just save that one for me. However long it takes yeah, me to get there. Yep. And just I'll, maybe it'll be a year, maybe it'll be two years, but I want that specific I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Uh, th- thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. This has been the session. You've been great. I'm out of here. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, all right. Bye, guys. Thanks a lot, and uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. Cheers. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.